You're listening to a 58 Ember production. Hey everyone, I'm your host Emily and welcome to Sideline Edit. Here I'll be curating and breaking down what's trending in the world of sports on and off the field. I'll leave you with just the right amount of information so that you can join in on any sports conversation and not feel totally lost. You'll know what the big game of the week was, what event to be on the lookout for next, what team is hot, who had the best game day fit, because trust me, the game day fashion is elite. And I'll also just be filling you in on who some of these main characters are so that you can get a better understanding of why I and so many other people out there are just so obsessed with the world of sports. And I always say, I truly think sports are the best reality TV out there. And so I'm excited for you to see that too. Thanks for tuning in. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Sideline Edit. I'm your host, Emily. And truly, truly, I feel like I say this every week, but what a weekend in sports. My picks from Friday's episode truly delivered with the first three games going truly down to the last minute. And so I'm excited to dive into those. And then all the noise around the decision that the college playoff committee made about the top four teams. We obviously have to dive into that. There's just so much with that and truly the big topic going on. Right now, I'm sure you've probably heard about people's opinions and everything with that. And then also just a very, very contentious game in the NFL this week with people being disqualified. And so with that, I feel like we got to go ahead and dive right in. But before I dive into our big primetime story of the week, I want to take a moment to talk about Coach Prime himself. Deion Sanders was named the 2023 Sports Illustrated Sports Person of the Year after taking over as the football coach for the Colorado Buffalo. Deion, who is just a legendary athlete, there is a lot to his story. But with Colorado, he just took on the challenge of rebuilding this program. The school didn't even have enough money to pay him, but they knew they'd be able to fundraise it. And just the talk and camaraderie he inspired around this team at the beginning of the season was truly unmatched and something that I feel like I've never seen before. And someone like Dion is the only person who could honestly like achieve something like that. I saw a meme yesterday and I feel like it just (laughs) spoke to this whole thing with Dion taking over the very, very bad Colorado Buffalo and just igniting a new energy to them. And the meme was, remember that month and a half where we were all bandwagon Colorado fans? That was a special time. And this is so true. Dion was selling out the sunglasses he was wearing. His son's Rolls Royce getting booted on campus was national news. Their merch line was great. I'm still tempted to get one of those hoodies. And it was just such a unique start to this college football season with Coach Prime. And I just feel like they needed a mention in this episode. And especially with him a couple days ago being Sports Illustrated Sports Person of the Year. 
And now let's dive into that big primetime story of the week. And this is most definitely what everyone who follows sports is talking about, the college football playoffs. I had broken down all about the college football postseason in my last episode, and so definitely check out the previous Monday's episode for more of an overview about that. I want to give some initial context first about college football and the playoffs. Only four teams make the actual playoffs, and so only four teams could potentially win the college football championship. And so this just makes all the games in college such high stakes. Truly every football game in college can kind of feel like a playoff game because one loss can easily put you out of the playoffs. And so when it comes time to making the playoffs, it's truly up to this college playoff committee. And so it's not an algorithm or any predetermined thing. It's just these people, humans in a room, getting to decide who they think the top four teams are in college football that should get these playoff spots. We don't know what criteria they're using as their deciding factors. We just see the result and we don't know how they got there. We can assume that things like their record obviously plays a factor. Strength of their schedule and how convincingly they won. Are they a conference champion? Is it the committee who they think is the best team or who they feel like will have the best matches against each other? This fan base size factor in all this. And so I think that's why it's so interesting because we basically just get these teams chosen for us. And the only kind of insight we get is that weeks leading up to the college playoffs final rankings we get these weekly rankings. Every week, they rank the top 25 teams in college football. And so that's the little bit of insight we have prior to this final selection. Overall, I feel like people are feeling like the season was a little drama-free until basically the last couple weeks, until Thanksgiving. I think that's when things started to get a little bit more interesting. One of the reasons it was a little drama-free is because we just had the most undefeated teams. And so that made rankings pretty straightforward. And then those undefeated teams had to start playing each other. And so that's where things get interesting. Prior to the final ranking selection of these rankings that happened yesterday on Sunday, we had the conference championships this weekend. And so this was basically the last bit of data that this committee could use to make their decisions. And when it comes to college football, we have what they call the Power Five conferences. And so these are essentially the most elite conferences in college football, in the football bowl subdivision. And so these conferences are the ACC, Big Ten, Big 12, Pac-12, and SEC. And so these are the main conference championships that we're looking at because these are the teams that have a chance of getting into the playoffs. Last week, my two picks for games to watch were the Pac-12 and the SEC championships. Both of those games went down to the very end. Friday night, we had the Pac-12 game, Oregon and Washington. Washington pulls out the win. And once they won, we could assume that They're going to be in the playoffs and Oregon's not. Saturday, we had the SEC championship of Georgia and Alabama. Going into this game, Georgia was undefeated, has been ranked at number one. 
and whereas Alabama had one loss at the beginning of the season. Again, with this SEC championship, it goes down until the very end, and Alabama pulls out the win. And so this makes things very interesting because now both of these teams are one-loss teams. And the number one team, who has been number one for most of the season, no longer is undefeated and isn't a conference champ. And so now that the committee has these conference championships to consider, they have basically all the data to make this final decision. Going into these final rankings, there was a consensus, I feel like, about a couple of these teams. And one of them was Michigan. And so Michigan ends up being ranked at number one. Makes sense. Undefeated. Beat the rival Ohio State. Not only wins the Big Ten championship, but wins the game 26-0. to zero. And so this makes sense to all of us. In at number two, the committee selects Washington. Similarly, makes sense. Undefeated season, beat the rival Washington State, and beats the tough Oregon team to win the Pac-12 championship. And then spots three and four are where things start to get interesting. There's one team that has similar criteria to spots number one and two, and that's Florida State. They also had an undefeated season, beat their rival, and won their conference championship. They won the ACC championship. But FSU does not make it in the top four rankings, so they are not going to the playoffs. Instead, they put in Texas at three and Alabama at four. FSU not making the playoffs is like the most debated thing going on right now because FSU truly did everything they could to get in. They won every single game, including their conference championship. And so it feels like there's literally nothing more that they could have done. And they're actually the first team ever from a Power 5 conference to be undefeated and not make the playoffs. And so this is kind of unprecedented. And so there's two main factors that we can assume kept FSU out of these playoffs. And one thing to note is that People think that the four best teams should go to the playoffs. That's kind of the hierarchy of when it comes down to those factors of how they decide. People feel like it should be the four best teams. And so keep that in the back of your mind as I go through these two factors. The one factor going against them is that their quarterback got injured a couple weeks ago and is out for the season. But since he's been injured, they've obviously still been playing, still been winning even winning that ACC championship. The other thing working against them is that they are in the ACC. And unfortunately, the ACC just isn't as competitive as other conferences. Even though they're in the Power Five, they're just not at the top of the Power Five. And so if I'm in the ACC or my team's in the ACC and I see someone in my conference go undefeated and win the championship and still don't get in, I'm annoyed and I'm worried that I'll never have a chance to get in until the entire conference steps it up because FSU did everything that they could do and they still didn't get in. With their quarterback being injured, he spoke about it, obviously disappointed, and had even voiced that he wished he could have gotten injured earlier in the season just so that his team could have further proved that they are worthy of being in the playoffs. And because the playoffs should, in theory, be the current four best teams, there is that argument that now maybe 
this current team isn't one of those best teams because they don't have that key player. And so that's kind of both sides of this FSU debate one way or the other. I see the case for both of these sides, but people are going to be very heated one way or the other. And then as far as Texas and Bama, who do get in at three and four, Bama had one loss in week two, and that was to Texas. However, they go on to not lose any more games and to win that conference championship against a very tough number one Georgia team. Texas, on the other hand, they also had one loss in October against Oklahoma and then beats out number 18 Oklahoma State for their conference championship. And so people are throwing out the argument that if you want Alabama to be in the playoffs, then you need Texas because Texas beat Alabama. And for me, that just doesn't hold weight because that loss was so early in the season, literally week two. And if you're going off current teams and who's currently good, I don't think that week two loss is indicative of the team that Alabama currently is. And so I don't love that argument for why Texas should be in and why Texas should be in over Alabama. I still feel like Texas has obviously some weight to why they should be in, but for some reason, that argument doesn't sit well with me. And at the end of the day, it's just humans trying to decide and whether or not these are the four best teams. I'm not really sure how I feel about it, but a lot of people have a lot of opinions, and so I'm sure you will hear about them. And right outside of those playoff spots, we do have FSU ranked at number five. Georgia goes from being number one to number six because of that Alabama loss. Ohio State is at seven, and then Oregon is at eight. And these rankings go all the way up to 25, so you can look at that full list online. We also have the bowl games out now, and so once we get closer to those, I'll be talking about those more. The beginning of the playoffs aren't until New Year's Day, and so we have some time before diving into those matchups further. In the meantime, you only have four teams going to the playoffs, so pick a team, root for one. I personally have my pick, and it's our last year of just a four-team playoffs, and so next year we go up to 12. And so why we have just the four You'll definitely be hearing about the debates about who should have been in, who shouldn't have. And before I transition out of college football, I need to take a moment to acknowledge the Pac-12. The Pac-12, like I said, is one of those Power 5 conferences that we have had for so long. And this was our last year and our last Pac-12 championship as the teams are moving on to different conferences. and. It's just weird because we've had the Pac-12 for so long. All the mascots of all the teams in the Pac-12 were at the championship game and they all got a picture together. And there's this picture circulating of each mascot with the new logo for the conference on them. And people are equating it to when you're with all your high school friends and you're all about to go off to college. You've been together for so long and now you're all headed in different directions and that's kind of how it is. It's been a great run for the Pac-12 and I just have always had an appreciation for this conference and we'll miss it. It's just the end of an era and it's going to be weird next season not having the Pac-12. 
Now I want to dive into my game day fits. Both of these are actually pink, which is kind of fun and a coincidence. And my first one is Jamal Adams of the Seattle Seahawks. To me, this is the definition of cozy chic. I think we can all wear this outfit. He has on a charcoal gray set that looks so comfortable. It looks to have like a mohair texture to it. And then he has on this long baby pink Jill Sander coat that is just so classic. He looks to have like Sambas or Samba look like sneakers. And then he elevates it with great jewelry and sunglasses. I think this is a perfect example of dressing up your sweat sets 101 and I am here for it. Next up, we have Kyler Murray of the Arizona Cardinals. Both him and Jamal are just two favorites for me. Kyler can be a little bit more outside the box, and I feel like this is an example of that. He has on a soft pink, looks to almost be like eyelash texture shorts, and then a puffer pullover that has a turtleneck. And the pullover is this like soft pink and aqua swirl design on it. And then he has a matching pink beanie and tall white top sneakers. It's definitely more of a statement, and so you'll have to look at it, but it's just perfect for Kyler. I kind of wish the shorts were pants, but especially playing in Pittsburgh that week, but it just caught my eye, and he looks so happy in all the photos of him in this outfit, and I feel like that just makes it even better. All right, on to the NFL. I'm going to cover my two picks from Friday's episode because both good games. The first one was the Houston Texans and Denver Broncos. These are two teams that going into the game were hot, doing better than expected, both having the same record. The main story here was successful veteran quarterback Russell Wilson of the Broncos against rookie quarterback CJ Stroud of the Texans, who reminds a lot of people of a young Russell Wilson. And C.J. Stroud just continues to be the best rookie quarterback this season ever. He just looked so put together. He always looks like he's having so much fun. And just the Texans pulled out the win. The defense also did great. They had interceptions and stops that just really made me confident in this Texans team potentially going to the playoffs. It was a close game, but the Texans just look strong. And now my other pick this week, which was the San Francisco 49ers at the Philadelphia Eagles. And to say this game was heated just doesn't feel like it does it justice. It just sounds like an understatement. But the tension of this game was a lot. Something I feel like I have not seen in a long time, even with rivals. It was a rematch of the NFC title game from last year. So who from the NFC got to go to the Super Bowl? Philadelphia had won that game. And this vibe was just a lot. I think it was even heavier than the weight of like the Eagles and the Chiefs replaying each other a couple weeks ago. The rematch of the Super Bowl. This was definitely more than that. Philly is honestly kind of a brutal place to play and I feel like watching this game you really got to see that. The 49ers came in and honestly just did a great job of heating up and never letting up. 
The 49ers were leading at the half, and the Eagles are a second-half team. And so that really didn't mean much because the Eagles are used to coming back and being more dominant in the second half. But like I said, the 49ers just did not let up. They even had six straight possessions, ending in a touchdown, which is really good in any game. But then doing that against the team with the best record in the league is truly impressive. And the 49ers just made it so hard for Philly. I feel like we've seen glimpses of this this season, but this was the first time we actually saw a whole game of the 49ers being on, which again, I feel like we've only seen glimpses, and then Philly actually being challenged and having to see how they react to that, which again, I don't feel like we've seen that too much this season. So it's interesting to kind of get this more full picture of each of these teams. There were also many altercations and tussles between the teams during the game. QB for the Eagles, Jalen Hurts, who is typically very cool, calm, and collected, was just heated most of the game. Going into the game, the 49ers player Debo Samuels, who is just known to be a big trash talker, especially with this team. Him and some other players even showed up in all black for the game. And like I said, there was just like a lot of heat going back and forth. At one point, there was a tussle on the sidelines and the head of security for the Eagles, Dom, who is a very beloved person in Philadelphia. Everybody knows and loves Dom. He's basically in the same uniform for every game and is typically right behind head coach Nick Sirianni on the sidelines. And so once you know who he is, you'll be able to spot him in other Eagles games. But like I said, Dom is very beloved in Philadelphia. And there's this tussle on the sidelines. And Dom kind of pushes back at one of the 49ers players, Dre Greenlaw, who is a linebacker for them. And what I mean by pushes back is he kind of like tries to back him off, essentially. And then Greenlaw comes back at him and kind of swats Dom in the face. And the fans go wild about this. They do not want anybody laying hands on Dom. And so first the officials give Greenlaw a personal foul and disqualify him from the rest of the game. But then you see the officials going over to the Philly sidelines and they end up asking Dom to leave the game. The head of security for the Eagles has to leave the sidelines. And this is a first for me. I don't think I've seen this before. But the NFL likes their one-for-one. And so typically when there's tussles and fights between teams, if they're going to remove somebody from one side, they're also going to do it on the other side. And this time it just happened to be Dom who gets removed from the game. Dom gets a standing ovation on his way off the sidelines from the whole crowd. And so, again, just something I've never seen before. This game ends up ending at a final score of 42 to 19. So again, just so dominant by the 49ers. This win for the 49ers can really shake up who is the top seed of the NFC. I don't want to scare Eagles fans, but with this loss, it's probable that the Eagles could go from being the top seed of the NFC to a wildcard team. And the main reason that could happen is because they have to play their division rival, the Cowboys, next week. And they have to win that game. 
because if the Cowboys win the NFC East, then the Eagles have to be a wild card team. And so I'll definitely be diving into that game more on my Friday episode. But if you're a Philly fan, just something to keep your eyes on. Or if you have a team in the NFC that you root for that could potentially get that one seed, something to be on the lookout for. The last game I want to quickly touch on was the Kansas City Chiefs losing to the Green Bay Packers on Sunday night primetime. All the commentators picked Kansas City. 80% of America voted for Kansas City to win. Whenever you see that like full sweep from a team, I think sometimes it jinxed that team a little bit. And that's just what happened. The Green Bay Packers pulled out the win. I personally really like Jordan Love, their quarterback, and Matt LaFleur, their head coach. And so I'm kind of happy to see them coming off of that Detroit win last week and now this week over Kansas City. Very exciting for the Packers. We had Taylor Swift spotted at this game in her typical box, but we also had Olympic gymnast Simone Biles because she is married to a Green Bay Packer and she is just always full of joy on the sidelines. She has the best custom jackets and everything. And so I love when we get to see her at those games. And that's a wrap from this week in sports. Just a lot happening in football. And so I hope this helped you better understand it all. And I'm currently doing a giveaway And so head to Instagram for all the rules and everything, but I'm rewarding rating and reviews. And so definitely check it out and do that for the show. It makes such a difference. The winner of the giveaway gets to pick a $50 gift card to either Lululemon, Sephora, Amazon, or Target. And that is exactly what you need this time of year. So enter and I would love to reward you with that. Thanks again for tuning in. Follow Sideline Edit on Instagram for some pics of what I mentioned in this episode. See you all on our Friday episode of What to Watch this upcoming week. This has been a 58 Ember production. For more shows, please visit the 58 Ember channel, 58ember.com, or find us at 58 Ember Media on socials.